So I'm preaching, we're in the series called Loaded Questions. And the question that I have for today, the loaded question that I'm unpacking is, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now, I assigned this one to myself. I thought that this would be easy, but honestly, I feel, I have felt so much more anxiety in preparing this sermon than I have for the past several. Um, And I just don't know why this is true of me, but worrying and feeling anxious feels as natural as wearing this jean jacket. I don't know why Jesus is making this point. I'm I'm actually uncomfortable with the text. Um, So that's why I'm sitting here. Because y'all know I like to march around in the center. But I'm sitting here so I stay close to my notes. Because I won't even know what to say next if I I depart from them. Um, Alina, could you put up the, the passage? And I'm glad Lawson shared what she shared when she shared it. I'm not going to read the whole passage now, but the first part says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So when we look at that, we ask, well, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, let's look at what immediately proceeds. In verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And he says that in the context of where we store our treasure. He says, do not store up your treasures. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So would you all pray with me? Father, I thank you for your tangible presence here today. God, I thank you for the privilege it is to come and worship you in the presence of my brothers and sisters. God, I thank you for the privilege it is to lay my burdens at your feet. God, I thank you that you care for me. I thank you that you give me the directive to cast all my anxieties on you because you care for me. So, Lord, I pray that all the anxieties in the room would be lifted. And, Lord, I know what I'm asking. That's a miracle. So, Holy Spirit, would you stretch yourself out in us today and give us peace that surpasses all understanding? Holy Spirit, would you settle yourself in this room and bring freedom to your people? Would you help us see clearly? Would you help us to see ourselves and our lives and our possessions as what they are? Lord, would you help us to prioritize things in the right way? God, would would you give us a kingdom mindset? Forgive us for ways that we've aligned ourselves with the thinking of this world and the understanding of this world. You give us power to obey. So, Lord, this time is yours. Our hearts are yours. Our bodies are yours. We thank you for the freedom that life in the kingdom has to offer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you are able to stand, would you rise with me?
in body and in spirit. Let's read this in concert. That means in one voice. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these, mm -hmm, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. So, Jesus asks, Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? In other words, your worry doesn't have any power. Your worry does not have any power. Jesus in this section asks four questions, and they're basically all asking variations of the same thing. He asks, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And to me, when I read this, I'm like, those are birds. They're flowers. They're not rational. Birds are following impulses. Flowers are just doing photosynthesis, responding to the sun and other things. Like, we have real responsibilities. Of course they don't worry. Of course they don't fret. You're comparing apples and oranges. This passage, more, more than other sayings, feels like it's easier said than done. How am I supposed to not worry? And actually, as I asked that question to myself over and over and over, it got me more aware of how carnal my mind is. How fixated on the cares of this world I am. How reliant on my own strength I am. So Jesus is saying these words in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. 
This is Jesus's famous, like long sermon. I mean, Jesus goes on for chapters on this one. And this is also the setting of the feeding of the 5,000 plus 5,000 men plus women and children. And um, the world as the hearers knew it and as we know it today is a world of need. We need food, we need clothing, we need shelter. And for the most part, there is some requirement of action on our part to get food, clothing, and shelter. Food, clothing, and shelter provide a certain amount of security. If I have food, I'm not going to be in hunger. If I got some place to live, I'll be protected from the elements. I have a place to be at rest. I have a place to call my own. If I have something to wear, you know, everybody's comfortable with that. If those things are in danger or they're insufficient, what we've learned to do is to put our minds and our bodies at work to changing that. So we get to work. We busy ourselves becoming more and more industrious so that we and our loved ones can feel safe and secure. But something happens in our hearts when we do that. Every time we work harder to meet our needs and then our needs are met, we become more and more convinced that we are the ones responsible for meeting our need. And as long as the equation of me plus hard work equals my needs being met, keeps working the way we expect it to, we're all good. But what happens when me plus hard work falls short of my needs being met? That's when we experience a lack of security a lack of safety. And when we start feeling insecure, that turns into worry and fear in our minds. It turns into anxiety. And what does it mean to be anxious? Google defines it as this. Worry, unease, or nervousness typically about an imminent event or an uncertain outcome. So we start feeling anxious like, I will go hungry and die If I don't work harder, I will not have a place for my kids to sleep. If I don't work harder, I will be out here. They'll arrest me for indecent exposure. If I don't have clothes to wear, why shouldn't we worry? Why shouldn't we be concerned about things? These are our basic necessities. Our safety and security requires these. Food, clothing, and shelter. So why does Jesus tell us not to worry about those things? Because in the kingdom, those things don't matter. At least not in the way that we think of them mattering. Because in our mind, those things are what is essential for safety and protection and security. But what really matters... What really gives us safety, security, and protection is life in the kingdom. Because life in the kingdom means access to the Father and the pleasure of knowing him. And that's all the safety, security, and pressure and protection that we need. 
And y'all, I hear myself saying that. It feels like in the real world, I mean, it's fine for me to rhetoricize and speak theoretically about things, but that's not how things work in the real world. But what Jesus is doing by giving all of these questions, how can you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Aren't you more valuable than the birds that the Father feeds? Aren't you going to be better clothed than the flowers of the field who don't toil or store away in barns? What Jesus is trying to do is shift our mindset. Because the mindset of the world, the mindset of the empire says, you are all you need. And that is literally the opposite of what the kingdom of God says. Because the kingdom of God says the father, the son, and the spirit are all that you need. And in God, in that beautiful trinity, in the Godhead, all your needs will be met. But it's hard because when I work harder, I get more of the things that I want. And maybe the crowd of 5,000 that's sitting and listening is thinking something along the same lines. They're thinking about that that proven equation, me plus hard work equals my needs being met. But with Jesus, there's a new equation at play. And no matter how true the old equation has been proven in the past, this equation is eternally truer. Life in the kingdom equals my needs being met. And y'all, that's a life of surrender. When we are worrying, when we are anxious, it's because there's a lack of control. We don't have access to changing things the way we would like to see them change. But we feel like, oh, I have to. If I just am better, if I work harder, if I do things the right way, I can control, I can manipulate, I can determine my future. I can bring myself to an expected future. But God is saying, my child, it doesn't have to be like that. And God is asking us to release a little bit of that control to him. Not just a little bit, all of it. But he'll work with us. Because if we spend all of our wanting, all of our effort on gaining things that provide only a temporary sense of, of security. Not just temporary, a temporal sense, just earthly security. We miss out on the eternal security that the Father offers as a part of our all-access pass to life in the kingdom. So that's why Jesus says in verse 31, Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. He's saying that's the way the world operates, but you don't have to operate like that. You don't have to waste yourself in the pursuit of material things. Spend your life pursuing the father and you'll have everything that you need. But we don't trust that. We don't trust that God actually loves us. We don't trust that God will actually provide for us. We don't trust that God is actually sustaining us. We have this beautiful idea of a loving father. We have this beautiful idea of a God who is active. But how we actually live is that I'm God. I'm ruler. I'm captain of my ship. I'm master of my destiny. We spend ourselves in pursuit of making ourselves safe when literally the safest place that we can be is in the presence of the Father. And that's what's offered to us so freely.
the passage right before this where it talks about laying up your treasures in heaven. Jesus says that setting our affections, our efforts, and our passions on meeting our own needs is akin to idolatry. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. And what is money other than a means to security and power? So if we're finding our security in the things of this earth, we are looking to the things of this earth to get those things. And we might slap God's name on it, but we're saying, God, give me some more money so I can have the things I want and I need. God, give me access to resources so I can be okay. Because I can't be okay if I don't have a 401k, 3b, a Roth IRA. I can't be okay if I don't have those things. I'm not okay. So yeah, God, give me those things. Jesus wants us to shift our thinking. And asking these questions, he wants us to see how futile our striving is when we are striving after the temporary. Because when compared to the king of glory, everything else pales in comparison. I was thinking about this entire passage and I was like, so when do we make the connection between our actions and the meeting of our needs? And I thought back to Genesis and in the book in Genesis one through three or one through two in Genesis one and two, um, Actually, before Genesis 3, humanity was living, Adam and Eve were living in community with the Lord. They had access to everything they needed. They had access to the Father. But then in Genesis 3, the serpent enters and uh, deceives Eve. And Eve's and uh, Adam and Eve, were, they were not supposed to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the serpent was like, Eve, sis, why don't you just go ahead? I know what he said, but did he really mean? So she just was like, after a while, okay, yeah. So she looked at the fruit. She saw that it was pleasing to the eye, good for food, and desirable for gaining wisdom. She ate it. Adam ate it. And they did gain wisdom in a way, but it was a wisdom they were never supposed to have. Because after they ate of that fruit, they became aware of their nakedness. And they were naked the whole time, honey. But it says that they were naked and unashamed before. But in the moment that they ate the fruit, they saw their nakedness and felt shame. Something that they were never intended to feel. And so what did they do? They decided to get some leaves and stitch them together to get rid of their shame. They did not turn to the father. That perfect communion was broken. They turned to their own actions to meet their needs. They needed to get rid of that shame and they fixed it on their own. Not only was shame introduced, but blame was introduced. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And not only that. Adam was put on notice that the work he'd been doing, work that the father had given him to do, to um, to exercise dominion, to be fruitful and to multiply, uh, that work that was performed as an outpouring of his relationship with the father, it was now going to be difficult. And the ground that he worked that had yielded such abundance for him would now resist him. So before the father met all their needs and that was all they ever knew. But after there was a relationship between their efforts and their survival. 
And this is the world we now live in. It was the same world that Jesus was speaking to when he gave the sermon on the mount. But he wants to upend that. And y'all, this is a word for us. Our survival, our safety, our security are not dependent on the things we have. Our security is found in the Father. It is upside down. It does not make any sense, but that does not make it untrue. Because once we have this understanding, this new mindset, if anything comes along that threatens those temporal things, those things that make us feel secure, we won't be moved. If anything threatens the possessions, if we somehow lose our shelter or we are unable to, maybe we don't have enough to eat. We won't be completely thrown to the wolves. We won't be twisting in the wind. We'll know for certain that God sustains us. And the inverse is true as well. If we happen to have an abundance of possessions, we'll hold them loosely. We'll give generously of those resources because we know what we really have and what we really cling to is eternal life with the father because our hearts have been set on and our treasure has been built on God's kingdom and God's righteousness. So I struggle personally with feeling safe and secure anyway. My chief longing is that everything is just stable and okay. So I just looked up some scripture to encourage my own heart And the safety and security and protection of the father. And hopefully it it encourages y'all too. Psalm 46 says God is our refuge and strength. An ever present help in trouble. Jesus in the book of John says of us. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Psalms 121 is a little bit longer, but it's good. The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch your coming and going both now and forevermore. And in the book of Hebrews, it says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And Jesus himself says in the book of Matthew. Lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. The father loves us deeply and passionately. He loves us so much that he didn't even withhold his own son from us. He freely gives us all things, but he does not want us to be dependent on those things. He wants us to be dependent on him. And that is life in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Well, what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? There's a couple of things. We talk about this all the time at this church, hearing and obeying. We talk about it every Sunday. It makes it into every sermon. Hear the voice of the Lord and obey it. Matthew 28 talks about making disciples of all nations. And in the book of James, uh, it says that religion that, that God, our father, accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after the orphans and the widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
That's seeking after the righteousness, the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 25, Jesus gives this parable and it says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. and You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus is saying that whenever his followers do that for any other person, they're doing it for him. That's the kingdom of God. That's seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what's interesting is that what's modeled here is that the very things Jesus says not that we should not be concerned with. Those are the things we should be providing for others who don't have. This is the upside down kingdom of God. Jesus is not saying that these things, food, shelter, clothing, drink are not important in this world. He knows that we need them. But we shouldn't be obsessed with seeing about them ourselves. We should be seeing about them for other people. Which is what he did for us. Jesus who left his throne. Who put on humble flesh. Humbled himself to the point of death. Sacrificed himself. So that we can have right to eternal life. So that we can have access to the father. So what does this mean for us today? Let us set our efforts. Our hearts. Our money. Our treasure on life in the kingdom of God. Instead of seeking safety and security for ourselves, let's seek the kingdom of God and provide it for others. Y'all, this is not a sermon that says, pray your anxiety away. That's not what I'm saying. I just am praying that each of us, as we leave this building and as we go throughout the week, we would ask the Holy Spirit to heighten our awareness to our life in the kingdom of God. And what role we should play in that. And that we would, we should ask the Holy Spirit to set our affections on things above and not on things below. Because as the Spirit sanctifies us and makes us more and more holy, this becomes more and more possible. So if you're riddled with worry right now, listen, the Spirit wants to move you along the path to freedom and peace. And it does take time. I actually think anxiety is more prevalent. I don't think this this is true. I I, uh, saw it on the Internet in reputable sites that anxiety is more prevalent in our generation now than it than it has been. It's not just because we're talking about it more. We are more anxious. Even little kids who don't got no bills to pay are freaking out about stuff. We're way more anxious. We're way more burdened. And I actually think that we're bearing in our bodies the, the manifestation of the brokenness of this world. And I believe that we should pray to the God of heaven for kingdom breakthrough in these areas. Absolutely 100%. But full freedom. Full freedom from worry. Full freedom from fear. Full freedom from anxiety will come upon Jesus' return. So that is something we have to hope in. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Instead of seeking safety and security for ourselves, let's seek safety and security. Let's seek the kingdom of God and provide it for others. For us today, there are people that we know that are food insecure, housing insecure, Kids in our schools that cannot read. How can we as the church break through the kingdom of God for those people? How can we unite ourselves to that effort? How can we use the power of God that's churning and alive within us 
to see about those who don't have access to the things that the world say provide us safety and security. It's in seeking out the kingdom of God and his righteousness that we experience a fullness of life that would be foreign to us otherwise. So to answer Jesus's question, none of us can add any time to our lives by worrying. It is a fruitless work. It is my prayer that we would instead become more aware of our complete dependence on God. By seeking after the kingdom of God and participation in the family of God, we have eternal life. So the work of our worry bears no fruit. But a beautiful surrender to the king of glory grants us eternal life. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your spirit and your love. God, it feels impossible to not worry, to not be consumed by the cares of this world. There's nothing too hard for you. There is nothing impossible with you. Your power goes beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. So God, would you summon your strength and show yourself strong in our hearts and in our lives? Change our way of thinking. Lord, help us see that we are completely and utterly dependent on you. It is not through our hard efforts that our needs are met. It is through your provision that our needs are met. So God, I pray that those of us who don't trust you to be a good and loving father, God, I pray that you would wrap them in your arms and in your love. In the name of Jesus, we honor you and praise you. In Christ's name, amen.